Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. Whether you're in church or at home, thank you so much for joining us. Also delighted to welcome back to our church, Reverend Willis Cordner, sitting over here on the left. As you know, Reverend Cordner is our regular visitor here, a great supporter of Bally Crocken, and we are delighted to see you back this morning again, Willis. Thank you so much for coming. Now, the other announcements. This Thursday, 26th, there is a special prayer day in church. The prayer team have organized it. It runs on two occasions, from 11.30 to 1 and 7 until 8 in the evening. Please think about coming down. You won't be asked to lead prayer, but it'll be silent prayer. You'll have the opportunity of sitting here in the silence of church and sharing your thoughts with our Lord. So please give it some thought, and there will be some guiding notes as usual. Now, uh, a request from Isabel, our treasurer. As you're probably aware, many banks are closing their branches in various places around Northern Ireland. Uh, our local branch that we use is being closed. And Isabel asks that uh, it would help enormously with lodgements, for example, if you were to put your donations on the standing order. She'll be available at the end of the service today, so if you want a word with her, please do so, and she'd be happy to help you. Now, we were all planning, well, many of us were anyway, to go out into the church grounds yesterday and do a tidy up, but because of the weather, we had them washed for us instead. But uh, we're planning to be back out again next Saturday from 10 o'clock. If you can come, please do so. If you want to stay through for the day, bring your lunch with you. Sorry, we can't provide. Bring your brush, bring your shovel, and always remember that the more people who turn up to do this, the less there is for each person to do. So we look forward to a good turnout next Saturday. Brian Gartland is organizing, so if you want some advice on it, you can talk to Brian. And the final announcement this week, as it is every week, is tomorrow is Kim and Jim Day. You all know what that means now, so it's on tomorrow at its usual times. Willis, my pleasure, my privilege to invite you to leader service this morning. Thank you. No, I haven't forgotten it. <laughs> What's where? There's been a late change to the announcements, Wilson. Well, sorry. No, I didn't forget. That's Apologies. A, that's, that's, didn't get a chance to tell you. That's all right. Well, I get myself organised here. Good morning, everyone. I don't know how the pop stars keep these things on. I think that's it now. Good morning, everyone. It's really lovely to be with you. Uh, when I come to Ballycroch, and it's just around the corner, and I feel like I'm coming home among friends, uh, and it's a joy to be here to lead you in worship. The psalmist tells us, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. It is there the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the Lord according to the statutes given to Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within the walls and security within the citadel. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your prosperity. I was glad with those who said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. We join together in our opening prayers, Light of the World, You Step Down Into Darkness. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Loving Father, we remember that the disciples gathered together on the first day of the week to worship and to praise your holy name. And we thank you that we are carrying on a tradition down through the centuries and right across the globe where Christian people meet together as an assembly, a fellowship of God's people, coming together as your church to worship you, to listen to your word, to confess their sins, to encourage one another in Christian fellowship, 
pour out our hearts in prayer and to meet with the risen Christ. Here we are to worship the God who created all things, the God who sustains the universe by the word of his power, the God who is merciful, gracious, who draws near to us in love and has revealed the depths of that love in sending your Son into the world to be our Savior. Lord, we worship you for all that you are and for all that you continue to do for us. We worship you most of all for the salvation that we have found in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and for the hope eternal that he gives to all who trust him. Lord, as we come into your house, we come as those who have, in the week that has passed, wandered from the pathway. At times we have done things or said things or acted from impure motives. We have sinned in thought, in word, and in deed. But we thank you that you do not cast us off, but rather you offer to us forgiveness and cleansing, freely given to all who are truly penitent in heart. And so we come confessing our sins with a glad assurance that we find forgiveness in you. Lord, we pray for our service of worship today. For those gathered here in this building, for those listening online, and for uh, those who will perhaps later on in the day or during the week join with us. Bless your people, we pray. And in these difficult and trying times, Help us, Lord, to pull together, to support one another, and to share the, the love of Christ with those who so much need to hear that message of hope. These prayers we offer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, boys and girls, those of you who are uh, listening online, I don't know there are too many boys and girls here, but I, I find sometimes the adults prefer the children's address to the sermon. There you are. Humbles us all. There are lots of things you can't do on your own. You can't go up a climbing wall on your own. You need somebody to hold the, uh, the rope that keeps you safe just when you happen to fall, in case you happen to slip. You can't play Monopoly on your own. You need at least two or three people with a lot of time and a lot of patience. And in fact, does anybody ever remember actually finishing a game of Monopoly? And you can't play football on your own. You need two teams, even for five a side. And of course, you can't have a party on your own. Having a party is about meeting with other people, coming together. And isn't it lovely to get an invitation to a party. Jesus told a story about a man who had arranged a very special party. The party was called a banquet. That's the sort of thing they have in Buckingham Palace, isn't it? A banquet. And he'd gone to lots and lots of trouble, and he told them well in advance, put this date in your diary, this is when we're going to have our banquet. And when the time came for the banquet, he sent out his servants to say, everything's ready, come, for everything's ready, come to the feast that my master has set for you. 
But to great his, to his disappointment, instead of the people saying, oh, it's wonderful, such a privilege, such an honor to be invited to this import, we're really looking forward to it, he found the people started to make excuses. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And the first person who made an excuse was Mr. Silly. Mr. Silly's excuse was this. I have bought a field and I've got to go out and see it. Now, who in their right minds would buy a field without even looking at it? Maybe some of, the, some of you adults like me like to watch Homes Under the Hammer. And, uh, and Homes Under the Hammer, the cardinal sin is to bid for a property that you haven't viewed because you can get a fair gunk when you go and have a look at it. Sometimes it works out better than others. Mr. Silly, he hadn't even gone and looked at his field, and now he's got to look at his field. It was more important than going to the party. And the field wasn't running anywhere. His field would have been there the next day anyway. Mr. Silly, he made his excuse. And then there's Mr. Noisy. Oh, and the door knocked. He said, oh, I'm awfully sorry. I bought five yoke of oxen, five oxen, a yoke of oxen, five oxen. And, you know, they were, they were best to show in, in, the, in the big farm show in, in Balmoral. They're wonderful. And I've got to go out and try them, see if they're any good. Now, who would buy something without, first of all, making sure they were any good? Mr. Noisy was making an excuse. He didn't want to go. And then there was Mr. Jelly. And uh, the servant went to Mr. Jelly's door and knocked. There was no response. He knocked again. He knocked again. And timidly, Mr. Jelly opened the door and peered out through a little slot in the door. And he said, my master sent you to tell you that the party's ready. Are you going to come? I've just got married. And Veronica says, I go out far too much. Apologies to Veronica. And I, 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 I can't go. I've got to stay at home. And then he, Mr. Jelly quivered as he heard a shrill voice. Mr. Jelly, will you please come back in again? And he shut the door. And nobody came. Well... The man who had prepared this wonderful party, he sent out into the country lanes and said, bring everybody in. It's open to everyone. Invite everyone to come. And so the party was full. Now, you can't have a party without people. And you know, when we come to church, it's a bit like coming to a party. God invites us to come week after week, to meet with one another and to worship him. There are things that we can best do together. Over this, this last year or more, our lives have been interrupted. We haven't been able to come to church. And we're thankful that we've been able to listen online uh, and watch on our televisions and for all the things that have done. But it's really important that we learn to worship God together. And do not forget the importance of being together as a family, young and old, all of us together in the worship of God. For together we can learn about Jesus. 
you boys and girls will remember what it was like when you weren't able to go to school and you had to do your uh, work on, on, on Zoom and meet with uh, folk and try and do your work on your own. It's really, really difficult. We meet together so we can, together we can learn more about Jesus. And we meet together so we can encourage each other in our Christian lives. Very difficult when you're alone. When you're lonely, you can get down and depressed and feel miserable. But when you meet other people, it cheers us up and it encourages us to meet with other Christians as we seek to serve Jesus. And we need to meet together to praise God together. One of the great things about coming to church is singing together and singing God's praises. My grandson uh, was in a virtual choir and he says, Granda, it was really hard. It was really tough. And eventually they got meeting, I think it was in Dungannon, the youth, uh, the, uh, youth choir, and also youth choir. They met for a day or two, for two days, for a day or two for practice. And so wonderful to be together. You can't sing in a choir really on your own. It is really important for us boys and girls, mummies and daddies, Grannies and grandas, all of us to remember that meeting together is what God wants us to do. He invites us to the party to celebrate his love for us and to celebrate the great hope that one day in heaven we will be around his throne praising him forever. So important for us to be together. The church is about being together to worship God. We're going to sing, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews refers back to many of the practices in the Old Testament, the priesthood, uh, the tabernacle and the temple. And, and these are pictures that are fulfilled in Christ. Uh, and so this uh, passage uh, reminds us uh, of some of the things that happened in the past in ancient
Our reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 25, and it's Christ's sacrifice once for all. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year on year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin a call to persevere. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Thanks for that. Now we come to God with our prayers for others. 
Merciful God, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, our great High Priest, we can approach directly to your throne of glory and grace, and we can make our prayers and petitions known to you. Heavenly Father, we come to pray for our world. There are so many things going on in our world today. Think of Afghanistan and the unbelievably disturbing images that come from there. We do not know hardly what to pray, but we pray, Lord, that people may be, find safety and refuge. And we pray for that little uh, group of Christian believers in that land, that you will strengthen their faith and you will protect them. Lord, we pray for a world which is so torn and so divided by strife and evil, bitterness. We ask, Lord, that wherever your church is, it may be able to show and share the love of Christ in tangible ways, and you will protect our brothers and sisters from danger and harm. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our own country at the minute, with the surge again in the numbers of people affected with COVID-19. We ask, Lord, that people will make the right decisions with regard to vaccination and for the good of others as well as themselves will take up this opportunity. We pray, Lord, that uh, there will be a, a that the, 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 the um, sicknesses will soon pass and that it will not spread any more rapidly than it has. Lord, we pray for a world we uh, at least have the comfort of a vaccine which protects us from the, the worst of this, this um, terrible um, uh, epidemic. But we pray for the world, especially places like Africa, where only maybe one or two percent of the whole population have been vaccinated. Lord, help us to work for a fairer and just society. Father, we pray for this congregation. In these days of vacancy, we thank you for the way in which people are pulling together. And we ask that you will continue to encourage the members of the congregation. We ask, Heavenly Father, that in the days that lie ahead as they seek your guidance, concerning a new minister, that you will lead and direct them to the person of your choice so that your work may continue to prosper. And Father, we bring before you everyone sharing in our service, wherever they may be, and ask that whatever their own private and personal concerns are, they may be able to unburden their souls, lay their prayers at your feet, in the glad assurance that you hear and answer our prayers. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Jesus, we enthrone you.
Lord, you have given us your word to guide us, to instruct us, to challenge us, to encourage us. Your word of truth, your word of life. And so as we come to your word, make our hearts and minds receptive to what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. The last 18 months have been something like a chapter from a dystopian novel. We have experienced at first hand the devastating effects of a worldwide pandemic. Probably the closest parallel events, which none of us will remember, is the Spanish flu, which happened after the First World War in 1918. Well, the flu virus is estimated to have killed uh, 500 million people, about a third of the world's population. As we gradually and slowly, somewhat hesitantly, return to the new normal, and we learn to live with COVID-19, we face a time of great uncertainty. Did we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Should we wear them in the, uh, in the supermarket? Should we wear them in church? And so on. But what about holidays? Should we book a holiday? And the chance that it might be cancelled or we mightn't be able to uh, fulfill that. There are lots of things that are uncertain at the moment. And we know that COVID-19 has had a massive impact on the life of the Church of Jesus Christ. Our buildings have been closed for considerable periods of time. Weddings have been curtailed. Funerals have been restricted. Ministers have had a, a tough time seeking to learn new IT skills. The tricky task of preaching to a camera I would want to pay tribute to so many in churches, not just ministers, but all of the, the folk who have used creative and imaginative ways to keep in touch and to minister in this unique and difficult situation. 
And of course, there have been some good spin-offs. People who would never darken the door of a church are quite often turning on to YouTube and listening to a service. And folk like ourselves who would normally attend one church can not only listen to Ballycrocken online, but can listen to other churches and share in a wide range of worship. So we might ask ourselves this question, what's wrong with armchair worship? If we've managed for the last while, surely we should not really be in any rush to get back to church. Live streaming is so much easier. Live streaming, you can have a coffee in your hand, you can sit comfortably uh, in your settee and you can watch the service either on time or later on the day or maybe if you remember sometime later on in the week. We can choose to watch the service whenever it suits us. And we can be forgiven, particularly those who've got families, of not wanting to rush back to church to worship in person. Is that my mic or... Do you want me to just switch over to the other one? Would that be better? Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what's going wrong here. But my voice is crackly enough without... children, trying to encourage everybody to come to church. So much hassle. Now, leisurely and relaxed. You can watch the service, take the dog for a walk. We've lost the habit of regular church. And it may be very, very difficult to regain that habit. Now, there are good habits and there are bad habits. Aristotle taught the need to develop good habits to live a moral life. And surely it is a virtuous habit of going to church. Many mornings when we didn't feel like it, the, the habit, the tradition brought us on and we were so glad that we did come where we met with the Lord. Well, habits are not a bad thing. They can be very good and can be useful. And we've lost that habit. Will we ever get back to regular worship in person? Is corporate family worship as an expression of our gathering together in a local church, is that essential? Do we need to be meeting together? Could we just uh, carry on with a virtual church? Gathering online, the availability of the internet and streaming has made it so much easier. And we're thankful to God. A few years ago, such things would be unimaginable. But we're thankful for the efforts that so many people have made in order for us to continue having some semblance of uh, church, church life. And I'm also conscious of the fact that for many of us, while we've been double-jabbed 
uh, we feel reasonably confident now about going out. There are people who are vulnerable, and the opening up and relaxing of things actually makes them feel uh, much more frightened and much more vulnerable. Uh, and uh, it may not be wise for them to gather in, in, in big gatherings, and we understand that. But for the bulk of us, surely it is time to consider whether we ought to get back to worshipping in person. I believe it was right for churches to close at the height of the pandemic as an expression of our Christian love for our neighbours. I believe that was the right thing to do. And I don't have any sympathy with the special pleading of those who just want to carry, a carry on and, and to meet regardless of the needs of others. So I'm, I'm not sure that I was overly keen on the 27 Scottish ministers who asked for a judicial review of the Scottish Parliament's decision with regard to public worship. However, the findings of Lord Braid make really interesting reading as he discussed whether online broadcasts could be a proper alternative for worship in person. He made the point that when Christians meet together, there is no conceptual equivalence between that and meeting at a golf club or, or, or meeting in, in other uh, social circumstances. There's something unique about Christian worship. And this is what he said. These are best viewed as an alternative to worship. While certain practices, reading, prayers, preaching, teaching, may be observed, or even live-streamed on television whilst alone in the solitude of one's home, this does not amount to collective worship. He added, they might be an alternative to worship, but it is not worship. At very best, in the modern parlance, parlance we might describe it as worship light. Worship light. Is that what we want? We want to revert from the richness of meeting together, sharing in Christian fellowship and worship and praise, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which is what the church is. Do we want to replace that with worship light, something that is less than true Christian worship? There are no alternatives to worship in person. It is a simple Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we read these words. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together. Now, we don't know the circumstances that precipitated this falling away from meeting together that's referred to in the book of Hebrews. It may well be it was persecution as the church became more and more an item of, uh, for, to be persecuted. It may just have been the busyness of life. It may just have been laziness. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the reason, the writer is sure that it is a dangerous and destructive trend. He wants Christian people to keep meeting together as a valuable and important part of the Christian life. 
The church, the ecclesia, simply means assembly or gathering. The very essence of church is being together as the people of God gathered around Christ our Saviour and Lord. The church is the temple of God with Christ as its chief cornerstone. The church is the flock of Christ, Christ the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. All these and more New Testament images of the church emphasize our need to be together. We're a body, we're a family, we're a community. We belong together. Christ did not come just to save individuals. He came to build a church. There are no solitary Christians in the New Testament. The believers were baptized and added to the church in Acts chapter 4. There are no spiritual gypsies in the New Testament wandering around from fellowship to fellowship, never able to find one that's quite right for them. Simon, the stylite, you can see a picture of him here, was a Syrian Christian born in three, uh, 390 AD, modern-day Turkey. He lived for 37 years on a small platform on top of a pillar, and quite a lot of others at that stage followed his example. Now, I'm sure there are lots of mind-boggling questions which we're not going to hardly manage to live for 37 years on top of a pillar. But the underlying idea was a solitary isolation. This was how he was going to gain deeper spirituality. But that's not the New Testament emphasis on Christianity. We need each other to grow. John Donne was right when he wrote, No man is an island. Where it is safe and sensible to get back to worship in person, it is vital that we do so, and we need to make that very clear. The immediate context of this exhortation not to give up meeting together, the writer gives some good reasons why we shouldn't neglect meeting together. First of all, he tells us in verse 19 that we are to draw near to God. The imagery is taken from the Old Testament priesthood foreshadowed, foreshadowing the coming of Christ. We have this confidence Enter the most holy place by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which is opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Let us draw near to God. Recently, many years ago, was it Pat, Pat and Karen came with us? We had a trip to the Holy Land. At least. <laughs> Time goes so quickly. And one of the highlights for me, and also for Pat as well, we talked about, was Timon Park, which is way out in the wilderness, where they had a life-sized replica of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, which Moses constructed uh, as he led the people through the wilderness to the promised land. And it was a visual aid about how we draw near to God. The outside of the tent, there was a nine-foot-high linen uh, fence or barrier right around it, uh, showing that the approach to God, that God is holy. We can't just plunder into God's presence. God is a holy God. The only way in was through one gate. Uh, there was a wide gate, but when you went through the gate, the first thing you saw was the altar of sacrifice. 
and they are, it was reminding us that the only way to God is through Christ, the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Beyond the altar was a, a laver, a place where the, the priests washed their hands daily before going into the tent, which you can see there in the background. The tent itself was divided into two. The rectangular, larger rectangular bit at the front, which was used daily by the priests, and which was referred to in uh, our reading from Hebrews, and the inner sanctuary, which was square, the Holy of Holies, where the cherubim, uh, the, alt, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, was to be found in that inner sanctuary. And the only time that the high priest could enter that inner sanctuary was once a year on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, two goats were taken. One was killed and sacrificed on the altar. The other goat had the sins of the people pronounced on its head and it was led into the wilderness and lost. And that's where we get our, our, our phrase scapegoat from. It was the scapegoat. And it took two goats to represent what Christ did by his sacrifice on the cross. He took away our sins. He took our place. And so there is forgiveness. The blood of the, the goat was then taken by the high priest into the holy place and then into the most holy place beyond the curtain, which in Hebrew tells us is Christ's body. Now, the high priest wore elaborate garments and around the uh, tail of the garments were little bells. So as he moved across the court, of the tabernacle as he entered into the holy place they could hear the bells ringing as he went before the ark of the covenant they could hear the bells ringing and then there was silence he offered the blood of the sacrifice the people stood in awe and wondered would god accept the sacrifice and when the high priest turned to go out the bells started to ring again they all exclaimed and praised God for his forgiveness for another year. Now that repeated thing was a picture of the one sacrifice for sin forever which Christ has offered on our behalf. And now the approach to God, there's no veil. We can enter into God's immediate presence because we come in and through the name of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. So the writer is telling us, this is an immense and amazing privilege that we can come before God. We do that in our daily prayer life. But we do that especially when we gather together as God's people before the throne of grace. And in Christ's name, we enter into the most heavenly place to worship the God who has loved and redeemed us. This is an unspeakable privilege able to gather together the worship of God. Draw near to God, says the writer. Don't neglect assembling ourselves together. Probably the first account of a Christian gathering as a church, not the first time they, but the first account is in Acts chapter 20 where they met on the first day of the week, break bread, communion, all preached until midnight. Yeah, you think our sermons are long. Eutychus fell asleep 
it still happens. He was on the third floor and he fell out of the third floor, uh, but he, he didn't die. And they met on the first day of the resurrection day, the day when they could break bread, the veil was torn, they could enter directly into God's presence. And so we meet on the first day of the week together to draw near to God. The church assembled before the throne of God in the inner century because of what Christ has done for us. And in that way, we orientate our love for God. We tell God that we love him. We declare our allegiance to Christ, that we will follow him. It's a vital part of our Christian life that we neglect at our peril. I can highly commend this little book to you. I think you can get it in the Faith Mission Bookshop, Love Your Church. And it's written for this day and age to remind folk of how we ought to love the church and be thankful for the privilege of being able to meet together to worship the living God. We are to love the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we should love what Christ loves. And when you love someone, you want to please them and you want to share their interests. When I married Iris, she had only ever been out in a small boat uh, around the Skerries. And after a while, she got to love sailing on our boat in the west coast of Scotland and going out in some pretty stormy weather. And I had no interest in flower arranging, but she had. And I, I got to the stage where I really didn't mind stopping the car and going to try and get a piece of ivy that would be lovely in arrangement and try and cut it down for her. You love what those what people really love. We want to love what they love. And Christ loves the church. Therefore, we ought to love our church. Draw near for a foretaste of the heavenly glory when one day we will gather around the throne and around the Lamb who was slain. Draw near to God. Hold fast to hope. Coming together strengthens our faith, makes us strong. These are hard and testing times for us all. Our faith is tried. We are surrounded by temptation. It's easy to lose heart. It's easy to stumble and fall. We had an elder in Abbott's Cross, and I always loved the way, when I was an assistant there, I always loved the way he talked to new communicants. They always used the same illustration. He said, you know, when there's a coal fire and the fire's burning nice and brightly, if a piece of coal falls off the fire on the hearth, before very long it grows cold. It dies. We need to be together to encourage one another, to fan up the flames that are within us. We need the ministry of God's word. We need the encouragement of prayer. We need the enrichment of fellowship. We need to keep meeting together. Draw near to God. Hold fast to hope. We owe it to Christ to love what he loves. We owe it to ourselves to nourish our faltering faith and renew our hope. And we owe it to our brothers and sisters. It goes on to say, consider one another to spur one another to love and to good deeds meeting together we encourage one another our presence affirms the value of collective worship for all who attend a simple smile or a wave to someone manifests our common bond of love in christ we are members of something bigger than ourselves we're members of something bigger than our local church the kingdom of god 
and the way in which we relate to one another within the context of the local fellowship and encourage one another with a word, handshake, a, a, a genuine how are you and wanting to, to hear. The church is a fellowship of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual family. We belong together and we need to be together. A few weeks ago, there was a football match. The first big one in Wembley was 60,000 tickets sold. Is that right? What was it? Anyway, I don't know much about football. But I know this. Everybody was clamoring for tickets. And the first time, 60,000 people had got together in Wembley since the pandemic. And there was real excitement. Now, just imagine you went down to Wembley and said, Look, I've got an 86-inch television at home. And surround sound. I got one of those special sofas that you sort of sink back in to watch it. You can have my place at home and I'll take your ticket. Wouldn't be too many people deal because there's something different about being at home, sharing something. Useful as that is, being together, singing God. There's no alternative. And we've got to get back. Stop wanting to worship online. Worship together. The fellowship of the church. There is no substitute for being there. When we sing together in congregational worship, we glorify God. We encourage one another. We have that, we find our love for Christ and our gratitude to Christ reinvigorated. Why come back to church? We owe it to Christ. We are to love what he loves. We owe it to ourselves. We need to stir up the fire that is within us through public worship. And we owe it to one another to encourage one another as we serve Christ and wait for his return in glory. So here's a word for us today. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us. Father, we thank you for the Church of Christ. We thank you that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so we come, Heavenly Father, humbly asking that you may restore within us that passion, that desire to meet with our brothers and sisters in worship. Not to be content with light worship, but to be, can seek to be uh, experienced and a foretaste of the glory that is yet to come when we are in your nearer presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what other could we finish with on the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord.
And let us bless one another as we share together in the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.